Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to the Wise Men Say preview podcast uh, as we look forward to Sunderland's trip down to Southend. Uh, the last league game of the season of sorts. Of course, we now know we're in the playoffs. Does that count as league games? The playoffs? Uh, yeah. Anyway. That's it, yeah. Guests in the studio tonight, Chris Weatherspoon and Michael Loff. Everyone all right? I'm good, I'm good. Full of playoff fever already. Uh, Chris, full of playoff fever? Yeah, can't be. I'm actually I'm more excited for Southend now in the knowledge that I can't possibly be disappointed. Yeah. We will find a way. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry. Find a way. Yeah, find a way. Um, well, I guess we've got to start by looking back on Tuesday night's game away at Fleetwood. Uh, probably the biggest kick in the teeth for a long time as a Southern supporter. Uh, it's been, you know, the season has been, look, look, I think it's been a good, enjoyable season yeah. as a football fan, as a Southern mm-hmm. fan, right? Let's not, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right? It's been a, a, a fun season full of Goals, great goals at the Stadium of Light, great away following, great times in, 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 in at stadiums we've never been to or some we've been haven't been to, to for, for a very long time. But ultimately, we've come up short in terms of we haven't got one of those promotion spaces. Um, Michael Loth, at the start of the season, did you expect to get a promotion space or an automatic? I think that the expectation had to be to get promoted from the get-go. I mean, there were mitigating factors at the start of the season and maybe a playoff position isn't a disaster, but there is a certain element of your Sunderland in League One and if the ultimate aim isn't to get automatic promotion, then there's really no point in even attempting, to be honest with you. But um, I don't think the playoffs is a disaster, like I've said, but I just feel as though we've missed so many opportunities to get promoted. I mean, you look back now, and I think what cost us was that kind of mini-series of one-all draws, so I think we went away at the Oxford and drew 1-1, and then we drew at home to Blackpool and at home to Atkinson and Stanley, and you look back now, and I think that's what killed us that run, because... Since then, we gave ourselves a little bit of a mountain to climb. We were on the back foot for a lot of the season. And even when we managed to get into second at the beginning of April, the other team sorry, um, had the opportunity still to um, get the results. And we had to win virtually every game to try and get above them. So I think we gave ourselves too much to do. Chris, it, was it the, the expectation at the start of the season? Or is it these missed opportunities that makes Tuesday night feel worse, even though there was a slim chance? I, th- I think it's probably a bit of both. I mean... Um... We should probably start off by saying that, like, look, like this time last year, obviously when you were relegated this time last year, and I think um, before before the summer, before the new ownership came in and whatnot, um, if somebody had said that you would be, you know, in the top two or th- top three for most of the season, like yeah. you would have took that. But I think, I think just the way the summer went, I think the owners came in, and I know they're now saying, okay, the playoffs was always the main, was always the aim. Anything else was a bonus, but. I don't think I know they had to get people on side and they had to get people on board, but it didn't feel like that. And I think there was a lot of excitement. And I think we won. Did we win four out of the first five? I think. And I think the expectation was probably, oh, there's such a big turnover of players in the summer that it'll take a few months to get into our stride. So when we won four out of the first five, you're like, oh, actually, yeah. hang on, if we're doing that now, we're only going to get better. And I think the problem. I think I think Mickey's nailed it. Like with that run of games, that was really disappointing, especially two of them at home, you know. And but I think I think it's the fact that performances have kind of dipped across the season rather than improved. Like if I think of our best performances, I would say the majority of them all before Christmas. Yeah, well, it's been it's been a, it's been a season of milestones, hasn't it? Because we were in a position before Christmas where, well, up to the point at the end of the year where we we ended with. 
Josh Madger leaving, you know, not just the top scorer, but the top goal scorer in the league, I think, was at the time. Maybe it was him and, and someone else at that moment. But that's a massive factor, isn't it, in a season to lose your top goal scorer, isn't it? It's a massive factor. Just to continue a little bit on what Chris was saying, I do agree with the point you made about the performances in the first half of the season because I feel as if every podcast we did from August through about January, we kept saying there's going to be a team that's going to get a hiding. Yeah, and we were expecting, I think, a game to finish six or seven nil to Sunderland at one point, but we've never seen that kind of cohesive team performance. But you're right about Madger, and again, it all ties into what me and Chris have just said there. With Madger, you don't realise how many goals he created for himself out of nothing, where he had the ball, was back the goal about twenty yards out, and he had that incredible knack of finding a couple of yards of space and firing a snapshot into the corner. And you realise, even though we've signed Will Grigg, and I know there's been mitigating factors again, he's not being fully fit but we signed one of the best strikers at that level and he still can't replicate the goals that Madger was scoring on a weekly basis. Obviously, Charlie White's come into form, but he still missed chances that he should have scored. So, yeah, it was a massive um, contributing factor, I think, to our demise when Madger left, yeah. particularly the manner he left in as well. I was Yeah, the last sentence you've said there was what I was going to say. I think it's not just the goals. Because in, in fairness, I mean, we are, they've dried up a bit. Like it, It's become a lot more one a game rather than... Mm two or more sort of thing but we are still scoring in games I think I think Madge's all around play I think people for whatever reason were there was probably a vocal minority really there was a vocal minority who were quite critical of that when actually if you watched him he brought other people into the game in a way that the two strikers we've got at the moment don't really appear to be able to match and like like we said they are mitigating circumstances but I think what Mickey said there about the manner in which he left I think I think it just left a really sour taste I think I don't think the club um, did themselves many favours in the way they handled it and I, I thought at the time when it was going on the manager seemed very frustrated with it all and very I don't know he he, he, he never called Madger which if things had gone the way people were trying to say they were going you would think that the manager would like if he'd either call him or he'd like refuse to comment on him. but actually all the way through it Ross said oh look his attitude's been exemplary like I mean I remember I think his last game was Scunthorpe and he scored he was excellent he was excellent at Blackpool when it was all going on he was excellent down at Charlton so I, I just think the way it was handled and the way the way it came out and then obviously they kind of had to panic to go and buy Greg and I, I just think look that's not the the whole reason we're not going up mm. but I, I do think that kind of set the season on a kind of different trajectory to the way they come come before Christmas if you know what I mean do you think uh, injuries have had a part to play in this season you know we've like Chris Maguire's just came back into the fold who was you know a bright star for, you know he got the nickname the king and all that kind of thing and we've had big in well, big injuries but certainly cats uh, has been out for a number of games uh, captain was out for a number of games with injuries and suspensions as well. Those things come into play as well, don't they? Of course, have been a big factor, but I don't think it's as black and white as saying about um, injuries has left people out of the squad for a prolonged period of time. I think a lot of it, like I said earlier, has been kind of niggles. So Will Grigg, although he's played in a lot of games since he signed, I don't think we've yet seen Will Grigg fully fit in the Sunderland shirt yet. Yeah. Charlie White was evidently carrying a knock and he was brought back too early in the first instance. So as I say, there's two strikers who have a very good reputation for the level and who would walk into nearly every other club in the league we've not had fully fit and firing all season. And Duncan Watmore, who looked like he was going to do something, came back and obviously got injured again. You know, that bit pace we've been lacking. Um, I agree, but I think it's slightly revisionist to say that Watmore was playing well or anywhere near his potential before he got injured again. But he just gives you a different option up front. He, he does give you a different option completely, but he was very wasteful, I feel, when he came back, which is natural when you've been out for nearly two years, but in the immediate future I'm not sure of uh, what Moore's performing to anywhere near the standards they expect from him anyway I think um, Adam Matthews has been a big miss as well as Luke O'Nine's done filling in for him he's not a natural full back and it's a very specialist position playing full back and, and Matthews has had a lot of assists this season he, five or six I think he has and that's up there with the most assists well up there second after McGeady probably and, and Gooch I think so that you know that's another person we've got about who could possibly come back in if if all nines knockers keeping them out? Yeah, completely. Um, right, we, so so we find ourselves in a situation on Tuesday night when, thanks to Matthew Keeling, we were all looking at the <laughs> phones and uh, the other results. And you know, at half time, it was going our way. It was, yeah, it was. Um, I mean, like uh, full disclosure, I didn't see the game. I listened to it, but I didn't see it all. 
uh, because my internet capabilities are not what I thought they were. I, I was in America that day, so I managed to stream the game. Uh, uh, well, how fortuitous. Uh, no, I was just there for the night. <laughs> yeah, uh, and do you know what? First half, uh, we were the better team well, by sat, a long way. Yeah, we sounded like we sounded like we... To be honest, it sounded like a lot of first halves this season. It sounded like we were, we were on top. We had a lot of decent chances. We only took one, which ordinarily, like, or maybe not ordinarily, but often you would say, well, okay, fair enough. Like, we, we took one, just close out the second half. But I think we've shown all season that we don't know how to close games out. Certainly, we don't know how to... We, we struggle to close games out, think, rather, without a scare. I, I don't think... I don't feel that we manage games very well. Yeah. I think it's either all or nothing. I think we either sit back and invite pressure excessively, like we did at Wembley, is a very kind of glaring example of it. Or we kind of go a bit too gung-ho, which we did early on in the season and got caught out and conceded goals. But I don't think we've got a middle ground. This is the thing, yeah. So I thought, like, start of the season, some of our best performances, we we look great going forward, but we still look shaky at the back. Mm. And I think, I don't, I don't know what at what point the decision was made, but I think there was a point where the manager thought, okay, let's maybe, like, rein it in a bit going forward um, just to keep it tight at the back. But what's become abundantly clear is that we're not we're not going to keep it particularly tight. I know I know we've kept I think we kept like twelve clean sheets this season, but I struggle to think of a game where we haven't had like a pretty hairy moment. Like I remember down at we won one nil down at Doncaster, mm. and they they had two one on ones like just before half time that when the the centre backs completely missing, and that hasn't been like that. That's not like a rarity this season. Do you think Jack Ross knows he's his best back four, Mike? No. <laughs> what, what would be your best backbone? Well, it depends because if you're talking kind of like in a football manager style world... Every, everyone, yeah, everyone's fit. Say it's the first leg of no, the No, no, what I mean by that is... Oviedo is probably the best left back at the club, like on a technical standpoint. He but, should be the but best. But he would not be my first back choice left back. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Who I would think, that be? Denver Hume. So I, I would suggest... Um, yeah, probably Hume. I mean, yeah. um, I think he's got some... He's still got some frailties, but he's a young lad in his first season of senior football, so he's going to. And I think he's very exciting going forward, but I think he's got a little bit more enthusiasm than um, what Oviedo does not defensively, I feel as though he's um, a little bit better. I think your two centre-halves, it's a bit of a flip of a coin. I think Ozturk, funnily enough, has possibly made himself a first-choice centre-half. He's done great, really. Yeah, he has. And Considering I, how long well, he's been I mean, sidelined. I think... With Ozturk, he just kind of does what he says on the tin. He's got no desire to try and play the ball out from the back, and he's very kind of like bread and butter. But basic. That, that first game we came back with, done. They were obviously drilled. As soon as you yeah, get the ball, just, just get, get rid of it. Oh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That's what I'm no, saying. No, no, but, though, but you saw enough a different kind of philosophy when uh, Flanagan and Baldwin were in the middle. Yeah. They, 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 they'd be trying to play it out and run with it. I'll it be honest with I know quite a few people aren't a fan of him for whatever reason, but like, I, I think Jimmy Dunn's been largely fine since he since he arrived and what i found really quite odd was uh there was that night down at barnsley horrible horrible night the wind blowing sideways yeah. and that but ball's getting bumped into the box from here there and everywhere and him and I th- it was him and flanagan wasn't it yeah so it was him and Baldwin, and they, they they had an absolute blinder again and that ball wasn't as big as fine but then he went and changed. He went and changed the centre half pair, and the, he I, he took Dunn out and put Fanagan in mm. like the following game. And I was like, I just really didn't understand that because I was like, you know what it is? You, you played arguably the best team in the division, or the second best team. Well, currently the second best team in the division. Yeah. You kept a clean sheet away Confirmed. in horrendous conditions. With like, we're not. They're not exactly looked at as like really physical centre half or anything. They're excellent. Like, mm. and he went and changed it. I just. Like what we said before, I think that really showed that he doesn't know. He certainly doesn't know his best set of halves. Well, what about the right back as well, then? Because you could say O'Nine's form hasn't been as good as it was at some point, you know. And he's still, he's not right back. I, I he, think he admits it himself. You know? I, I think it's because when he first came in, he admitted. Um, was it Walsall in the cup when he first played that position? Uh, possibly at yeah. home in the replay. And he had an absolute shocker. Naturally, he's yeah. never played there before. Positionally, he had a shocker. And I, I, think, and I think yeah. we all kind of laughed it off. Oh, we're never going to say that again. Like we'll talk about. Oh, I remember that time Luke 09 played right back. Yeah. But then he, we tried him there again, and he improved. So because he'd started such a low base, because the improvement was so dramatic, everyone's like, "Oh, he's doing brilliantly," which he has done. Yeah. yeah. But the longer it goes on, you stop just thinking of um, 
as somebody who's filling in, you start thinking, right, okay, but as a kind of judging them as a right back, what how, how was he playing? And the more you look at him, you notice kind of more subtleties of his position sometimes not being so great and mm. sometimes he doesn't hold his position the way he should yeah. do and he's kind of like gets drawn to the ball and so as I say, um, I think as the season's gone on, his frailties have been exposed more and more as the season's gone on. It's a good character to have in the squad, though. He sings into a ladle every now and again. It, it <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it seems to be well. Like, I wonder if part of it is Ross preparing long-term, because we all know Matthews isn't going to be here beyond the end of the season when his contract's up, or it looks extremely unlikely that he'll be here. But do you think that the constant co- conversation will be you know, if O nine does find himself at right back, no matter what league we're in next season, if he has a bad game, it's because he's not a right back. And if he has a good game, oh, he's doing great there. I think yeah, it's a bit unfair I, on him. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. Like, let, let's be honest, when O nine first arrived, like that f- first game against Charlton, he didn't really look like a footballer. Never mind a centre midfielder. But and and I, I, you can't doubt him for application and effort. And to be, I think I think he's had a lot of good games. I think yeah, okay, p- position could be a lot better, but. That does stem from not being over, but I know I know exactly what you mean. I think eventually there comes a point where if that if that's where the manager is deciding he is the first choice, you can't you you do need to judge him on that. And I think I think one of the issues has been as well, like for all the yeah he's had he's had good games there. Teams now like it's glaringly obvious the teams target him. Yeah, like team team literally. You see the Coventry especially, yeah, just kicking the ball down that flank every time. And that. I don't want to like come across like overly sympathetic sort of thing, but really, if he's getting targeted, that suggests that look, other teams can tell this lad isn't isn't good enough to be to be there week in week out, mm. and then you kind of have to say, well, should the manager be taking him out the firing line sort of thing? But like I say, I, I don't know. Maybe the reason maybe the reason is because Matthews isn't going to be here next year, and he's thought, well, we're going to have to get somebody playing there. It seems that like we're, we're working through the team, and we'll speak about the, the starting lineup on, on Tuesday. Were you surprised to see Maguire start? Um, not at all, because um, I felt that it was a kind of mutually beneficial thing if um, McGeady, I know that he's not playing on Saturday either, so if we have injury doubts over him, it's a prime opportunity to get Maguire vital minutes under his belt as we approach for playoffs. So I, do, I think it was the right decision to start Maguire. Okay, and the rest of the team lineup, you were all right with that. I, on I Tuesday? thought I thought the lineup was fine, to be honest. Mm. Um, I could I could completely understand Maguire playing. Um, I I, I think to, to be fair, I mean, like the first half they played well, like so it's hard to kind of turn around and see how oh, you got the team wrong. So was it the changes that changed the game? If I, you like, I, was it the mentality thing? I which think you, it's a mentality thing. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the problem that they seem to have, and we've seen this with some some of the teams before, is that they're the least confident when they're one nil up. Like mm. we, we saw at um at Peterborough, they went one nil up with like what well, three minutes plus about seven minutes of out of time or whatever yeah. it was. And I thought I thought Peterborough was one of the there have been plenty of games this year where we've drawn one one and it's the most we've deserved. Whereas I thought Peterborough I thought we were the better side by far for eighty seven minutes. We scored and it just completely went apart. And mm. As much as like the manager has to take a bit of a bit of stick for that because that's a mentality thing which he should he should be working with them on. At the same time, he's he's not on the pitch. You know? Yeah, he's he's not on the pitch, and you have to wonder like what why are these players fine until they go ahead and they've got to defend the lead. Do you, do you see anything in that? Maybe. Yes, yeah, a valid point. Um, at Fleetwood the other night, um, I'm not excusing the players, but I think what kind of happened there was in. At half time, we went in one nil up, but we hadn't earned the right to be. If you see what I mean, because I think Fleetwood were that kind of um, moderate to be very kind of them in the first half, and we just created a lot of chances. And then second half, obviously Fleetwood were never going to come out with that same mentality and start on the front foot and pressed us. And I think it took us aback. And I think once it got the seventy minutes, and particularly when they equalised, I think the mentality was kind of oh well, we're not going to win three four nil now. So there's basically promotion gone. And I think you saw that in the mentality of the way they played mm, in the last 20 yeah. minutes. We weren't just chucking bodies forward in the in pursuit of this goal, which would have took it to the last day, no matter how mathematically improbable it was. We didn't try and do that. I think we just kind of not saw the game out. Or, or we didn't try and save the game out 1-1 one, one by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but I'm not saying we attempted to, but what yeah. I'm saying was we didn't go for it in the manner that you would expect which at is such really, a stage of the season. Uh, yeah, it, which is really odd because... A draw did us no favours. Like either way, it wasn't. I, I know 
Well, they actually probably two points ahead, so they're mm. probably getting beat. So I think a draw didn't really do us any favors. So it it's really strange yeah, that definitely. that would be the mentality, and it's also strange when you consider that when Ross arrived, and for I would say the first three months, three four months of the season, we were told this was a manager who. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous now. We were told this is a manager who doesn't draw games. Yeah. His teams, his teams either score a full or they concede a full but mm. they don't draw games. Yeah, but there, and, that was a conversation, wasn't it? And it's very, it, it's like I, I know it's easy to just like think of Sunderland examples, but not as extreme. But it, it very much reminds me of what happened with Gus Poyer, where you, you had a manager who came in, who had a way of playing that. Like, Similar and quite like open, expansive, and Poy was a bit more like possession based and whatever. Yeah. But and over the course of the season, that just seems to have like his confidence in his own ability seems mm. to have like kind of drained out of it. I mean, there was a I, I can't remember when it was, there was a point in the season when people were saying we should play 4 4 2, we're not going off, we're not going. And Jack Ross came out and said, Look, uh, oh, I think he played it, he played it for like half an hour. I can't remember who it was against. We didn't score. We were pretty poor. He came out afterwards and said, well, we played for half an hour and it didn't work. Like it, It's mm. not something that I'm particularly on board with. And since then, there have been multiple games where that's been our go-to. And I'm just like, it feels like he's lost a bit of confidence in himself. Mm. And I feel like the, when we've been at our best is when he said, look, like, let's go play this. Like, so, like Barnsley, first half hour, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Because they were, he, he put them out there and he said, look, right, don't don't worry too much about like, Keeping it, get after them, and then we'll go from there, sort of thing. And I, I don't know, it's quite like, look, I, I don't think stuff like that like happens forever. If you know what I mean, like mm. I don't, I don't think he just forgets what he used, like what he used to preach overnight. But it's, it's quite disappointing that we've gone from this kind of open, expansive, and this manager who looked kind of pretty fearless. Like we were all talking about how great the substitutions were at the start of the yeah, season, yeah. and now the opposite's true. And I mean, hopefully. You never know. Um, hopefully, the next next couple of weeks we might like turn turn it around, sort of thing. But I think stuff like what you're saying there, Mickey, about the way we went after the after they was quite disappointing. Yeah, I think particularly as well because if you can't finish second, then you've got to finish third and as high as you can, and make yeah. sure you play Doncaster. Yeah, I mean because even though you probably shouldn't talk ill of like kind of like fellow professional clubs inside the dressing room, there will be they'll be but saying we, they'll be saying Doncaster who we want to play. We beat Doncaster less than a fortnight ago. Yeah. We, we, we were by far the better side. Yeah. yeah, So that should be enough of a goal because we should say we've got six points off Doncaster, deserved yeah. to win on both occasions, so we should be really wanting to play them. But we didn't chase a goal in that manner. Um, but what you were saying about Jack Ross, I think the reason why it's a little bit disappointing is because that, the point of bringing in Jack Ross as opposed to a kind of Mick McCarthy type who's been there and done it is progression. Yeah. And you can kind of go through the leads with a manager like that. So I think that's why it's a little bit disappointing that seemingly the longer that Ross has been here, we're seeing less of his kind of image and style of play on the team to a mm, large yeah. extent. Mm. And, and as I say, that's what's been a little bit frustrating. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still think he's a man for the job and he'll learn a hell of a lot from this season. And regardless of the league, we need to keep him. But I do think it is disappointing that see that he came with such a clear identity and such a clear reputation. And as the season's gone on, it does appear as if he's occasionally bowed down to fan pressure. Yeah, I'd agree. Right, before we move on and hear from the manager, was there any positives to take from Tuesday night? Catmull getting another goal. I think he's equaled this season, his previous... I, th- I think he's now scored more uh, than, than his the career. rest of his career yeah. combined, yeah. yeah. Which is nice. Um, it's good to see. Positives. Uh, the goal music for Fleetwood. Is that <laughs> well, the goal music. Well, well, you thought someone was interfering with your radio. <laughs> there was like some kind of cross bandwidth going on. Like, what is that? It's like some kind of a sea shanty going on. But wait, do you miss the the days of uh, James Brown? I feel good at the Stadium of Light. Um, or do you think we should bring well, in some kind of sea shanty? You know, eagle, well, possibly. You know? I mean, no, I, I used to like when they played James Ryan, I feel good, but I, I was seven at the time. So yeah. I don't know. So <laughs> I, I never went during that era, but even watching kind of old promotion DVDs, it just doesn't sit comfortably with me hearing goal music. I remember being a few goals down against, maybe even, I think maybe Wimbledon, and we scored and late on. And James <laughs> Brown came on. <laughs> and we're going to be like 3 1 or yeah, something. I think, um, I think it kind of works if the stadium's full and really <laughs> yeah. loud and you can't you're just about drowning it out yeah i think otherwise it's, it's, it's a little bit like um you know when you play early rounds of a check trade trophy or any competition and there's about ten thousand fans there 
and but we were still playing them like Tiesto at absolute full volume <laughs> five minutes before kickoff yeah. to the backdrop of eight thousand fans being there for Stoke under twenty ones. Just doing what Charlie tells us. We're yeah. just doing what Charlie tells us. All right, we're going to hear from the manager now. Who's going to start by talking about the team, which is likely to be featuring on the weekend's fixture down in Southend. We want to keep an element of consistency around certain areas of the pitch. But we will freshen it up in other areas. But we've also got good players that haven't been in the team recently. So, you know, we'll, the team we pick on Saturday will be a good side. And it's a team that wants to go and win the game. Um, you know, that should be encouraging to the other teams in the league. Maybe not so encouraging at South End because we'll, you know, there's no way that we would accept us. But what we've put into the, to the 45 league games to date, there's no way we would accept coming off that for one game. When you talk about acceptance, uh, we spoke with Lewis Morgan after the game as well. A player who knows you well mm. um, and the, the manner of the defeat on Tuesday night, I think there's probably an acceptance from the players, isn't there, that they, when we mentioned responsibility, do owe perhaps a little bit more than they've been giving. Yeah, I think, they, um, I, I think we've tried to create an environment whereby they, they, um, they feel as if we want the best from them and we're always trying to do that and that they are opinion is valued within it as well and there's been a collective effort to get to a sudden successful season and you know truth is there's been fine margins recently that have determined how successful that is you know fine margins in a cup final and fine margins over these last three games that have you know made them take two points rather than nine for example then there's an honesty about the group there's there's a lot there's quite a few of them that were sore after the game on on Tuesday but I spoke to some of them in the aftermath of it spoke to some more again today and I've got trust in enough of them that I believe that the um They'll pull each other along. You know, there's enough strong characters in there that 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 know that that this is a really significant time we're going into, and they know if it becomes after Saturday it becomes a you know a three game season. But a record against the top seven this season at the moment, I think we've only lost once in the league, um, and our our performances in the bigger games, if you like, have been good. So you know, hopefully that will continue with the case in the playoffs. Is it fair as well sometimes to look at this group of players and certain individuals? certainly those who haven't got experience of a club this size. And the um, frustration of the fans is understandable, but the pressure that those fans perhaps exert on those individuals is maybe unfair because it's a lot to deal with mentally when the demands are so great for this for, for supporters to feel that they should be seeing a club just stride through this division. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that... I don't think, I, I don't think I'd describe it as unfair. I think it just goes with the territory. And again, you can have your own opinion on whether it's, um, it's balanced or not. But you can't have the rewards and the, and the good things that go with representing a club of this size and how much your, how much adulation or praise you receive when things go well, um, and how much that can flip. You um, you got to, if you're not resilient enough to begin with, but some people are. You've got to then build that resilience, and those that can build it will go in to have good careers and and probably do okay for the rest of their life in whatever whatever profession they're involved in. Um, I think you learn a bit a lot about yourself in positions like this, whereby. It sounds dramatic. We're not written off, or we're not on the canvas. But you, when people are are questioning how good you are or your character, or whatever it is, I, I've always quite enjoyed that. Um, it's encouraging my players to enjoy it. It's not proving people wrong. It's just embracing, um, you know, people maybe having any doubt over you. And I think if you can then come out the other side, to it, then you'll feel, you know, you feel fulfilled in that to that extent as well. Thanks, Nick. South End still fighting for survival and probably adds another sort of an element of spice to the game. Yeah, in some ways I'm quite glad because um, obviously we had the disappointment on Tuesday and, and knowing where we are now but I, I'm quite encouraged with the fact we're going in the way game whereby the team that we're playing against has to win so there's going to be an intensity about the game which I think will bring out the best in us um, against a team that has to come and win the game which I think should suit us I mean, it's not always been the case for us I said we're, you know, we're playing a team that, that is going to come out and I would imagine be maybe not open from the outset but know at some point they're going to have to to be really positive so um, you know hopefully we will respond to that I would imagine we will respond to that challenge as well yeah. Third, fourth and fifth still up for grabs between mm. the three teams does it matter to you when that second leg is well where you play the stadium like whether it's the first leg or the second leg I think for any two-legged tie there's always been a preference to play a second leg at home is it the determining factor it's never going to be the, the, the be all and end all um, Probably for me, the, the overriding is uh, the motivation is to finish third, third because I want to finish high up league as we can. Um, again, will that determine how successful you are in the playoffs? No, but we just want to make sure we finish up league as high as we can. And the only way we can do that is obviously by winning the game first on Saturday. And just lastly, from me, Lee Catamull, another goal mm. um, last time out. 
doubled his career tally this season. I mean, it's been a brilliant campaign from the goal. He has. He's. Um, I think he's enjoyed a really good season. Um, he's put a lot into it. I think he's been really good over these last few games. He's big games as well. He's risen to the challenge. He's. He, I, I spoke earlier in the season about very quickly understanding that he, how passionate he was about trying to get the club back up again. He's shown that all season. So. There's a lot of players like that that I'm desperate for them to get promotion this season because I know how much they're putting into it. So, he, you know, I think he's enjoyed his record in front of goal this season, but I know he's just, I think beyond that, he's, he's just happy with the contribution he's made. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Our thanks to BBC Radio Newcastle's Nick Barnes and Sun FM's Tom Hale for the audio there as they were at the Jack Ross press conference today. So we're going to start looking at Southend. They've got something to play for, guys. Yeah, the wages because they haven't been paid them this week. Yeah, we saw that this <laughs> afternoon, didn't we? But also, on you know, observation from Weatherspoon. <laughs> Thank there. you very much. They've got good goal difference though in their favour, haven't they? Yeah. So I think yeah, it's 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 going to be a weird one. I think to be to be fair, like I I was kind of of the opinion that I've got nothing to play for, we'll just go enjoy it. But Nick Easy made a good point there. Like we we should be able to finish third. So how uh, does he approach it team wise? You know, it looks like McGeady's going to be out. Well, I th- I think he should be like. Look, like people can go okay, rest. I mean, first of all, they're not allowed by the EFL. They're not allowed to rest like as many people as they want. Yeah. There's like, I think it's like you've got to pay six who played in the last game or something. Like but that. there's some obvious injuries there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. Greg as well. You might be surprised I'd, to see him. Do you think? I don't know. I, I just think like when it comes to like playing a weekend team and stuff, people go, "Oh well, let's get everyone like ready for the playoffs." So I think going into the playoffs. Having, I mean, what, we've won one in the last six, mm. and going into the playoffs with another game we haven't won, regardless of how much rest people get, I don't, I don't think that helps the the mentality. Because, look, let's let's be honest, like it's been a it's been a mostly positive season, and the most negativity has come this month. Yeah, and I I just think that that's a really difficult thing to then take into the playoffs. If you look at the teams who go up through the playoffs, an awful lot of the time they're on a pretty decent run. Mm. Not only that, but as football fans, let's face it, we are all incredibly short-termists in our view and our oh, yeah. approach. Reactionary, especially so, on social media. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not go into that kind of worms there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I remember last season, Wolves at home, one 3 0 I had a lovely old time. And I came away from that game kind of like in a really positive mood. Yeah, nice sunny day. We've just been relegated. Yeah, even yeah. though I've just watched the worst season in Sunderland's history. Well, obviously this season technically is, but yeah. I'm talking about in terms of the overall feel as well. Yeah. And you're walking away, and you're walking away with a big grill on your face. And I remember yeah. like going down Rock when there was like red and white shirts everywhere, and everyone was like 
talking positively. I know the takeover, etc. did. They were in the crowd, weren't they, that day? But there was no sign of a new manager. We still knew that we wouldn't have a lot of players. Mm. But yeah, as I say, because we won 3-0 and played really well, it did feel like a a new beginning. And I'm not saying you're going to have that extreme against Southend, but if we win on Saturday and put in a good performance, then that's what people's going to take into the playoffs and that mentality. I agree. Nobody nobody who's down there, I mean, even, even people people who don't, don't go down and that, nobody's going to like, if if we go down there and turn them over, nobody's going to be like, ah, oh, but, but we didn't get promoted. Like mm. some, I mean, some people will be, but some people won all the time. Like People are going to, people are going to go down, they're going to enjoy themselves, they're going to, we're going to be like, right, let's go, let's go again, let's go through the playoffs. Like we've got nothing to fear. Whereas if we go down there, go get beat with a winter, get like have another one-one draw on that. It just, mm. it, it's a men- it's a mentality thing, and we've seen what mentality, like what the mental aspect of it does. So I think, yeah, look, like certain players, like McGeady's getting injections in his foot and stuff. Like yeah. yeah, that's that's fair enough. But I think unless they are genuinely injured mm-hmm. and it is going to help them. I don't see any need to be to be dropping people and playing playing their reserves. We'll have to play our full strength team as well because let's say that we'll even take a really positive scenario here. So let's say we made a raft of changes and these players come in and they play really well yeah, and we go down to South End, we win four 0 That then creates a headache because just because they've played well in an isolated game, which in reality doesn't mean a lot, doesn't mean they're then suitable to play in a playoff match. Yeah. But it puts a pressure on you to include some of those players in the team if they have a good performance. Mm. So as I say, I think you're making a rod for your own bat there because even if you have a really positive outcome, like I say, you're still putting a lot of pressure on yourself. And obviously, if the opposite happened and you go and get beat 4-0, then the questions asked are why did you make so many changes and why you're deliberately putting yourself in on a negative. So I I think on that topic as well, and I don't want to sound like I'm having a go at the manager here, but I think we've seen examples of him this season where he do if somebody has had a good game, he sticks with them. And or and like the example I think of like when they beat Accrington, well, last month now, played four four two, which worked because Accrington were pretty terrible. We went to Rochdale and I know we won there, but we weren't very good. Mm. But he kept the same he kept the same setup and I think he pretty much kept the same team and it was like but I remember thinking before the game, well, actually, like, is is that is that the right thing to do? So I know exactly what you mean. I think like if if they if they play a weakened team on Saturday, they play well. Is he going to be like thinking, oh, well, actually, should I play these in the playoffs? And I I fully agree. I, I think you play you play your strongest possible team apart from within reason yeah. where you need to rest people or like nurse people back to health. Okay, well, we're going to move things along slightly. Uh, this week, the annual accounts were published, well, yes. made public, and Chris, we got you on because you're our Literally finance like, expert. If we were to stay house. in this... Can I just ask, yeah, if we're going to just ask you a question. If we were to stay in League One next season, would that be disastrous for Southern Football Club? No. Okay, why? I, arguably, it would actually be better financially okay um it, it wouldn't be disastrous because they still get a they get the third of three parachute payments next season okay which is about four about 15 million quid um which in league one is a, obviously a sizable amount yeah um so no no it wouldn't be a disaster and um they have got they've got clauses um where if we do get promoted uh people get for this level pretty decent wage increases will mm-hmm. will grig mm-hmm. apparently gets a pretty sizable uplift so um and and we don't we won't actually really earn too much more if we go up to the championship i mean mm-hmm. like commercially and stuff they can obviously leverage that a bit more and would they make money through the playoffs as well if we're well, so, going through that so through the playoffs it's, it's a bit of a weird one um what they actually i was trying to look at this properly earlier because obviously I have such a wild life um, <laughs> and it's a weird one because what they actually do is well first of all the EFL take a certain proportion and then um, they actually they take kind of the net gate receipts so once like all the clubs different clubs costs have come off and they put it into a big pot and the four teams share them out so who were in the playoffs? So okay. whatever happens, we're kind of getting a bit shafted because we've got, got big, the biggest crowd. We've got yeah. the biggest ground. Um, similarly, if we get the final, it gets split between the the two teams. So really, from a financial point of view, something against Portsmouth at Wembley is probably the the, the optimum final mm. in that sense. So yeah, they, they will make a bit, but I don't, it's not it's not going to be like this enormous earner. It's it's better than nothing. It's, okay. it's certainly but um those are the simple questions out the way yeah. um, what what do we learn from these accounts then um so i mean 
to be fair, there was quite a lot that we, we kind of already knew. So obviously we knew Ella Short uh, wrote off £152 million just, worth of just debt. Just how significant is that in terms of uh, the football club living and breathing? It's big. So like last year when they are in the championship, um, they spent... I should have I should have had my little crib sheet. Just say any number, no they, one will know. <laughs> they spent, um, I think it was about six and a half, between six and a half and seven million quid on interest alone. Uh, yeah, it was about it was about six and a half million, which when you consider transfer fees for players, we spent 1.1 million. Mm-hmm. It, um, that kind of shows you, and this and this was why the debt was such a big deal. Like they were literally spending a fortune on interest, right. especially in like, so we had, we had revenue of, about 63 million so we spent nearly 10 percent of that just on interest um and we still didn't have enough money there to run the club properly um so yeah we we kind of learned a fair bit in in fairness like the wage bill pretty much halved from when they were in the in the premier league uh it, it went down like 45 percent which is kind of again sort of what you'd expect because apart from famously jack rodwell everybody had 40 percent wage cuts yeah um I think the the debt being gone was something we knew about, but obviously it's it's good to to be able to see that actually now they well sorry as at last July because that's when these go up to yeah they didn't have any sort of um, debt that they owed mm-hmm. like within the football club itself. So this would only be a little bit of the tenure of the new owners then. Yeah, so this is two months in. I I think to be honest, one of the disappointing things has been that the owners have said that they aren't going to comment on them. Um the the logic behind that is that nine months of the period that these accounts covered they weren't in charge. But I mean first of all, they've spent a lot of time telling us about how badly it was run previously. Mm-hmm. Um Second of all, as at July, which we see like the the position the club is in financially, they were in charge then, so it it does have some relevance to them. Um, so that's disappointing. They 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 changed their auditors, which um, is kind of what you'd expect when somebody buys a business. But um, the way it works is they get the option to take exemptions, which essentially like reduces what what you disclose to people and they've taken quite a few they've basically taken as many as they can mm. which again it kind of jars with the transparency thing that they've spoken about also there may be because they're not here to answer back on that there may be genuine reason for yeah, that yeah, there might no, be I mean, deals done behind closed doors oh, no, which like, they don't want to make public be- and will ultimately well, leave Sunderland in a better position they're well within the rights to do that um, they, they really are it, it it's just a, it, it's a little bit disappointing to see kind of because it well, From someone who loves looking at numbers. Well, yeah, exactly. Like so it, 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 you want to see the full picture. It makes it much harder for me to <laughs> be boring. Um, but no, the uh, to be honest, um, what's your overall feeling about it? Uh, the, 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 is there any uh, you know is is it, is it are we in a good position as a football club right now? I think so. Yeah, I mean, there's the, there's no external debt. Um, so and that's it, a main worry. That's that's a, that's that a huge issue because, yeah. like like I just said there, if you're spending ten percent of your revenue on it, let, let's put it put it this way. This season, their revenue is going to be. They get. They get a. Th- what do they get? They get a thirty-four million parachute payment, and then, um, I think Methven and Donald have said they're expecting about eighteen million in other revenue on top of that. Okay. Um, Where's that majority that go up wages? Yeah. Well, well this is what I was going to say. If they had it. Charlie White, Will Grigg. So I think they've said the wage bill, they've got the wage bill. This was in October, so yeah, okay. obviously you've got to add on the likes of Ledbetter and yeah. Grigg and whoever else. But in October, they reckon they got the wage bill down to about £14.5 million, which when last season it was about £30 million more. It's more than half. It's, pretty, yeah. it's a good achievement yeah. in fairness to them. As well as that, if they're saying that um, they've got revenue outside the parachute payments up to £18.5 million, quid, you can see why they've like really focused on that. Cause what, what what would that be from? Sponsorship, sponsorship, gates. like gate receipt. Yeah. So like, uh, so here's here's a good one. Well, actually, it's not good, but it, it's interesting. Um, the gate receipts last year um, were the lowest we've had since the stadium of light opened. Wow. Which, when you consider the like inflation and everything else, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, so that was literally the that was the lowest we've had through the gate money wise since we were at Roger Park wow which, good stat 
Yeah, which shows why they why they have made such a big effort to get season tickets sold, to get people in on Boxing Day, to get people in for the Portsmouth game. Like commercial wise, like sponsorship, when they're in the Premiership, they they got about ten million quid in in that Moyes season, mm-hmm. which isn't very much. Last season it was two million, so that's really plummeted through the floor. So that's why you've got Tony Davison going out and doing. It. So in that respect, you can really understand why they they're trying to prioritise getting more money in. Mm-hmm. So now I think. Generally, um, yeah, the club the club's in a way better position, yeah. primarily because of the debt. Yeah. Right? Because debt on its own isn't necessarily a bad thing, but when you're paying that much interest, it definitely is. Yeah. Um, they don't, they shouldn't have much left to play for um, players that they've bought now. Mm. Obviously, the Greek thing will yeah. put it up a bit, but according to those accounts, after this July, I think they actually they owed money on a net basis for transfer fees. Okay. Obviously, that'll change now because of the Grig thing, but it'll only it'll not be too much. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, it's in a good position. One of the one of the reasons it's it's disappointing that they won't talk about it is um, there is there is something odd where the football club has lent money to another company within the group. Mm-hmm. Um, now, all of the accounts for companies below the football club are out and the money isn't in there so they must have lent it to one of the companies that have been used to buy the football club mm-hmm. and it would be good basically to get in the i'm not sure what the reason for that is but mm-hmm. it would be good to get an explanation on why that's happened okay well we never know there might be something coming out yeah, in yeah, the next I mean, coming weeks and maybe waiting for the end of the season or something like that possibly that's 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 just why but I think, if, if the club was going to the doctors now for a checkup we're in a much better position and looking I, healthy i think so yeah and i think i mean i don't think i don't with with all these takeover investment rumors um i don't believe there's like uh, smoke without fire, so to speak. Ooh. So I think, um, I think, yeah, like it's it's a lot more attractive proposition mm-hmm. because you're not, you don't. You don't and obviously, have to... the potential has been seen, though. Surely, you know, if that was the case, you've seen the big gates and Boxing Day in the last yeah. couple of games. You know, and the, you know, the the, the South Volker End, sorry, South Stand Volker End looks so good now as a, you know, as a product if you want to use a horrible word for a football club I think so much looks so much better than did last season yeah I think going back to like what you said before about like is it a disaster if we stay down here it's not I think it's one of one of the hard things is how do you how do you get people going again if you know what I mean how do you how do you encourage people like to to back them in the sort and like the support this season uh, I'm not really one of these people who always like tries to shout out about how great our supporters are but this season they've been outstanding like they really have um i think another year in this division makes that harder which obviously financially you see more of a knock-on effect um but if if they stay if they stay league one next season it's it's not a disaster they've got another parachute payment the problem comes after that okay then then it potentially is a bit of a disaster well that'll kind of round things up now mickey you're still awake over there <laughs> uh, we, as we look back to you know we've got the south end game and then we have got the playoffs is it time that the, the the fan base regardless of what happens on on saturday you know say we win say we draw again wouldn't be unusual say we get beat there's only one option as a summons fan after that isn't it and that's to get behind jack ross and the players for at least two more games yeah of course and how do you, you know when's that going to start should it start now should start the moment that people listen to this podcast because <laughs> at the minute it's but, not happening. Well, I mean, well, I mean, people should be gathering Keel Square and take the flags <laughs> with them and get, get everything going. But exactly. But no, I think um, it's absolutely fine to on social media have criticisms. It's absolutely fine to state your opinion. But once you go through the turnstile, you've got to support the team. And in fairness, in the last few games, even with the rumblings that there's maybe been, the support's been fantastic. The atmosphere in the home games has been as good as it's been for a long, long time. Whether that's been the flags, whether that's been just because of the importance of the games, I don't know. But the atmosphere has been fantastic the last three home games. So just continue that. One big push from everybody. And let's just see if we can get them over the line. And then we can all go to Wembley and disappoint ourselves again. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chris, though, whoever we're facing in the playoffs, we know. Uh, statistically, we're the bigger club. We're the, we're the ones they should be fearing, right? Yeah, I, I think just... Slightly going back to what was said there, I think one of the, like the big success stories of this season has been like reconnecting people with the football club, and I think the I think the owners deserve a lot of credit for that because 
look at it like this time last year, I, I think like apathy was the overriding emotion. It was, people weren't angry. People were apathetic. People were like, well, okay, we got beat again. Yeah. Oh, well. Whereas now, pe- okay, people are human people on Tuesday night. People are, people are, yeah. really, people are really mad because we've lost. But even when but, it comes to draws, there's an expectation again is, that we but, should be winning. But, you know? but I, think, I think that kind of... Uh, look, look, I'm not, I'm not going to say that we should be grateful that we're fighting for, still fighting for promotion. No, but we are where we are. We are where we are. Right, we, we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we can only get behind the team. No, we, that's we that's a fan's I, duty. But I think, and I, I, th- I think Mickey's right. I think, yeah, okay, like, so, social media isn't a particularly good um, representation no. of people anyway. Like even, see, like, even seeing people come out with ridiculous things on there when we all follow you. Football yeah. game. Exactly. And, um, but I think, I think at the game, like the, the support's been great. Um, I think, I think, and I think they really have like reconnected with people with it. And I think even if even if they don't get promoted this year, people will be hard pushed to say they haven't enjoyed this season more than the last three or four. Okay, so we we play on Saturday. We win. We get that third place spot. Hopefully, Hopefully. play. And, and don't forget as well, though, because people have talked in the last few weeks, and I think it's a very common, two very common terms now in football. People call people frauds and they call people bottlers. So Jurgen Klopp's a fraud because he's not going to win the Premier League with Liverpool this season despite probably achieving 97 Highest points. points total, yeah. yeah. And people in the last few weeks have been saying that Sunderland are bottlers for not achieving promotion. But when you look throughout this season, look how many points we've gained from being behind. That is not a team that's bottlers. But one thing you can't say about this team is that they haven't tried. They've absolutely given the all, I think, in every game Without exception, really. You've got to remember so, we've been chasing people all season. Like we, yeah. we have never, because of the way they. I mean, to be fair as well, because of the high, relatively high standard the the top end of the division has been this year. But also like the way our games have fallen. We've had, we've played that many games. We we've always had games in hand. Yeah, yeah. I think as well. Um, when Jack Ross has made mistakes, I think he's responded really well the next time. I think the team's done that as a whole. We haven't gone on a run of defeats or anything this season, and we've responded in a positive manner. So I think as fans, we've got the back them to do that again. Yeah. And I think we need to, as I say, just kind of epitomise the season, get together one more time, yeah. and then let's go do it. Mike, let's start on Saturday. I don't know if there's going to be another preview pod before the end of the season. There'll probably be something in the formal around the playoffs. Uh, Stephen and Gareth will be back on Monday for their usual, I suspect. And if you've got a chance, uh, check out the Terry Butcher specials on the uh, the usual. Well worth a well. listen. Well, okay. Thanks well for that, Mike. All right. <laughs> um, uh, thanks very much. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.